everybody. It's Friday, December 7th, 2018, and you're listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Oslake, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, and car whatever. And this week, or this day, I don't know how you want to say that, it's going to be a more regular episode of the show. So we'll have a segment about car news, car culture, and quite literally car whatever. It has been one of the snowiest and coldest days of the winter so far here in Michigan. I don't think the light level and color has gotten much past stone gray wash dirty water. It's It's been a gray and dark day all day today. Everybody's out playing Super Smash Brothers. That came out late last night. Uh, yeah, so I hope you're having a good Friday. Uh, this week we're going to talk a little bit about the Uh, News that got discussed a little more in-depth with Reuters. uh, Volkswagen's plan to electrify everything in the very near future. And then kind of a sister report in the car culture segment. Talk a little about the Audi e-tron again. Less of a news thing and more of a different way that they're approaching the EV technology than uh, a lot of people had initially thought And uh, last up, a car that's on my mind. And this is the car that I keep mentioning in different things, and I can never remember the name of the car. It's the Kia Forte, the 2019 Kia Forte, which I think might be one of the better compact cars on sale today. Hard to say, but we'll talk about it. So guys, all that and more after the bump. But before we get to that, uh, I just want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast and dealing with the new way that advertising happens on this platform. Um, I've made a little bit of money, not that much, but a little bit. So I appreciate you sitting through the ads, listening to them, and potentially supporting our sponsors. That would be wonderful. Uh, so with all that in mind, guys, uh, after the bump, we'll talk a little bit about this Volkswagen EV news. So Volkswagen is promising 15 and a half million new electric vehicles being able to be built on their new MEB platform that uh, is going to start rolling out as early as late next year, early 2020. Uh, These new electric cars are going to underpin, or this electric platform is going to underpin a wide variety of vehicles from, you know, the lowliest Volkswagens to Seats, Skodas, uh, Audis, Porsches, uh, Lamborghinis, Bentleys, and more. Uh, everybody's going to be using this platform. Everybody's going to be sharing uh, electric motor technology. Everybody will be sharing these direct drive transmissions. Uh, Volkswagen, they said, at least in the EU, I don't know if they're including the United States, 15.5 million new cars within the next five to 10 years made by them. Uh, They've also said in another article before this that they had already purchased enough battery material to make 15.5 million batteries. Again, we don't know what capacity batteries they are, what kind of juice they're going to be able to pump out, uh, that kind of thing. I don't think we're really looking too deep into the tea leaves there. They're going to be pretty normal vehicles, I'm guessing, especially if you got to build that many, they're going to be not super high capacity stuff. So this is good news, right? This is fantastic news. Uh, You know, as, as electric cars continue to take off, across the world, especially in Europe, where we're going to be knocking on the door of 5% or more of vehicles sold year to year are going to be electric vehicles. Uh, This is fantastic. Here in the U.S., we're not quite out of the 1% to 2% market share yet, so we've got a little while. But what's good about Volkswagen doing this is that they've promised that there's going to be a lot more of the affordable end of the car market being 
targeted here with these new cars. Uh, Volkswagen has already shown off some of their new ID branded models uh, that are going to be probably the cars that hit the streets first. So I'm forgetting the name of the Golf replacement. Uh, it's basically an electric Golf, but it's in the more fancy ID body style. There's the ID Buzz, which was the uh, Volkswagen bus styled equivalent. So a little bit more space for your for your shit in your family. Um, maybe your family is your shit. I don't know. Uh, then they're going to have the ID Cross concept, which is kind of like a Nissan Juke sized EV crossover thing, which I think is actually pretty cool and really can tell that Volkswagen has the United States market in mind there with that car. Um, I'm forgetting other ID vehicles, but Volkswagen promises that these things are going to be affordable, they're going to have usable range, and they're going to be available ASAP because they've got to jump into this market now while uh, it's not quite fully grown yet in order to make sure they take as much of the market share as possible. <clears throat> One of the other questions that kind of goes with 15.5 million new EVs is where the hell do you charge the damn things? Uh, Volkswagen is also partnering with companies all across Europe and here in North America to roll out charging stations. Um, a lot of them are going to be kind of like the Tesla superchargers where they're going to be close to a point of interest or perhaps a highly trafficked area. How many charging stations are there? What kind of speed that they're going to use? Mm, hard to say. I wouldn't expect them to put more than five to ten chargers in most areas. I wouldn't expect them to exceed level two charging in most places, although I think you might get the occasional series three or level three charger going off. Um, but, you know, altogether, really, it's it's exciting that you see a company like Volkswagen, and really it could be any company at this point, making such a huge commitment to large capacity EV production uh, all across the planet, because the only way we're going to save it at this point is by avoiding the use of carbon altogether. And with the way things are going this year, with 2018 being an all-time high uh, carbon emissions thing after two years of it being flat or being slightly reduced, um, shit, everything's fucked. It's going to get fucked even faster if we keep on this trend. Uh, so we, gotta, we got some work cut out for us. <clears throat> what is interesting, of course, in light of this news is the ongoing story that Volkswagen and Ford may be looking to work together on a lot of things. Um, no really firm details have ever been confirmed in that situation, but nevertheless, uh, Ford is saying that it's a possibility, same thing with Volkswagen. Uh, I would assume in this case, based on what kind of EV work Volkswagen is doing, Ford wants a piece of that pie. Just the same, I'm guessing maybe uh, Volkswagen might want a piece of Ford's development uh, stuff when it comes to uh, truck platforms, uh, some larger vehicle stuff, as those continue to be popular. Uh, the Volkswagen doesn't have enough to get in there, uh, but they're working on it. So it's kind of a weird situation where they need the bad stuff right now, uh, but the, the EV stuff is going to be the future. And then one other thing about Volkswagen and Ford kind of in this situation is that, uh, well, who knows if it'll actually happen. Ford isn't exactly saying that they have the capacity to do much of anything at this point. Uh, they are still in some pretty big financial trouble, uh, especially here in the United States. Uh, so, hmm, who knows? I, I They talked about a merger at one point, whether Volkswagen would buy 
for it altogether. You know, I don't know if it'll ever be allowed to happen, especially with the current sitting president here in the United States. Uh, but to some extent, perhaps that is the only way that Ford can save themselves from themselves, however you want to say that. So more news as it develops, I'm, I'm sure, but uh, still exciting for EV fans out there today. So continuing down the Volkswagen Auto Group EV news hole, uh, first drives are starting to show up for the Audi e-tron, the first of the e-tron product line. Um, if you don't remember, the first e-tron is a crossover type vehicle somewhere between the size of an Audi Q5 and an Audi Q7. Um, that size designation really didn't get clarified in any way, shape, or form for me uh, in these early drives, but uh, more or less think of it as a Tesla Model X competitor. Um, and you're going to basically get the idea. Uh, the big interesting thing here about this car is that it is the first all-electric major, major, major effort from Volkswagen Auto Group, and specifically Audi, that's going to be hitting the streets. Uh, the Germans are not happy that Tesla has basically ran the gamut when it comes to luxury uh, electric vehicles, and they're committed to taking back market share in this regard, and the e-tron will be the first shot across the bow from the big German threes uh, that are going to basically hope to reshape the market and their image. Uh, this is going to be a high-quality uh, machine that's built by a car company that knows how to build cars, that has the capacity to build these kinds of cars. And what is, I think, most interesting for me is that how that has determined like how this car drives, I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, so here in the U.S., you know, we've had Tesla for a while. Tesla has a reputation for being these incredibly fast, uh, not exactly luxurious, but pretty decently luxurious vehicles um, at a not always sticker shock price, but they can be there from time to time. Um, and this Audi is somewhere not close to that situation. Uh, this is going to have that Audi built quality in the interior. It's going to be beautifully laid out, fantastic materials, no weird gaps, things aren't going to rattle, it's going to be done the right way. Exterior-wise, it looks like an Audi product, so you're not going to be shocking the neighbors as the car pulls up without a grill or anything like that. It looks like an Audi. Uh, but what really kind of comes down to is the drive and performance aspect of it, um, where the Tesla is shockingly quick. Like, little over three seconds, zero to 60 times, sometimes less than that in certain models, uh, is pretty much the case across almost all their cars, except for the really low-end uh, Model S options. Uh, and that, in any case, if you're going faster than seven seconds, zero to 60, you are flying. Cut that time in less than half, and holy shit, you may as well have a drag strip monster, which in many cases these Teslas are. Um, but uh, they've also been tuned in a way to be able to handle pretty well, which has been interesting. Um, not every Tesla, but most Teslas handle pretty well. Uh, this new Audi is normal, and I mean that in the most car-like way. Um, zero to 60 time is a little over five seconds. Uh, it'll top out a little over 100 miles an hour if you need to go that fast. Uh, it pushes through the corners the way that all Audis do. They always understeer just a little bit. Um, Really, I think the only thing that they haven't really hit the mark on that wouldn't be what I wouldn't want 
uh, is when it comes to regenerative braking. Apparently, these Audis are tuned in a way to be most quote-unquote car-like when it comes to your driving experience, so you're not going to be able to put it in a high regen mode like you can with a Tesla or a Chevy Bolt and let off the throttle, uh, or whatever you want to call it, the go button, as it were, and the car really forcefully decelerates um, while it tries to recoup energy to feed the battery. Um, this Audi is meant to be as normal of a car experience as it can be. They don't want to spook off the soccer moms and cool dads. I don't know if they're cool or not, but the people who would be buying these Audis, they don't want to scare them by having this alien technology under the hood. They want it to be, you know, you trade in your Q5 or Q7, you buy one of these, you don't notice a single thing that's different other than you don't have to go to the gas station. And there's something admirable in that. Um, I think Audi's really gone out of their way to make this thing as normal as possible. I'm hoping that isn't going to be the case on every e-tron because I don't think I would necessarily be convinced to purchase one of those because of that. But, you know, hey, I'm not the person who's going to be buying every single one of these either. Um, so yeah, I don't know. If, if you've gone out and read some of the first drive reviews of the Audi e-tron, I'd be curious to know what you think. You can hit me up on Twitter at YSSMAN. Or you can drop me a line here on Anchor at anchor.fm slash Y-S-S-M-A-N. Uh, I'd appreciate it. Thank you. <clears throat> so on the show, you may have heard me say or reference to or make reference to a small Kia sedan uh, these past couple episodes. And... Uh, you know, I finally remembered the name, and it's because I watched a video about the Kia Forte, and I'm shocked and appalled that I've forgotten this name. Kia's been making the Forte for the better part of a decade uh, here in the United States. It's been a very popular car, and for me to completely forget about it should be worrying to Kia. I don't think the name stands out in the way that it should. Uh, you know, I think of a companion vehicle to the Forte of yore was the Coupe, K-O-U-P-E, that one stands out in my brain. You know, nobody forgets about the Soul or the Stinger or old rhymy names like the Kia Sophia. But here we are with the Forte, a very well-regarded car, and I can't recall it for the life of me. Hmm, marketing team might need to work on something there to start bringing it up into the forefront of people's brains. Speaking more generally about the car itself, uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me, it's one of those cars that... Uh, is pretty damn good, but might not necessarily be good enough. Um, Kia recently relaunched the car, uh, bringing it up to snuff with its sister car, the Hyundai Elantra, uh, after that had received a significant upgrade just a few short years ago. Um, this new Kia rides on a pretty well-tuned, much more robust chassis. Um, no major dimensional changes compared to the outgoing car into this one, uh, but it's a much nicer experience overall. The interior is laid out in a way that looks like a mini Stinger interior. Uh, it's got standard Apple CarPlay and Android Auto systems. Uh, you know, it's not very high that you have to go on the model line to get things like dual zone automatic climate control, uh, some of the active safety features, things like that. They're all there. And so for not much more than $20,000, you're getting a really, really nice car. But that's kind of where it stops. You know, for somebody like my mom, or maybe even my brother, uh, they're just looking for a car that's gonna get them to work, look pretty nice, and be good on gas. I think the Kia Forte is a smart choice, but for people like me who want a little more oomph 
when it comes to performance and drivability and everyday usefulness, you know, I might get a little bit more out of the Elantra, which is kind of weird to say, because usually the Hyundais are the more boring ones. I would definitely get a lot more use out of the new Toyota Corolla or the Honda Civic or uh, the Mazda 3 that's coming out as well. Uh, it just kind of seems like a uh, wrong place, wrong time situation for Kia to be rolling out this car. Um, I know that they were a little worried about a new Forte taking away the thunder from an updated Elantra, but not having debuted this car, oh, I don't know, a year ago, uh, I don't think they're in a very good place with the new Corolla bearing down at any moment on this segment. Uh, so, uh, kind of in summation here, Forte is the name of the car. It's an $18,000 pretty nice car that you can probably get for a pretty good price at your local Kia dealer. Would you buy one or should you buy one over a Honda Civic or a Toyota Corolla? That is up to you, but I would ultimately say no. So, yes, car in my mind, Kia Forte. Gonna keep saying it multiple times throughout the day to try to remember the name, and hopefully you will too. All right, guys, that just about wraps up this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at YSSMAN. That, uh, my name's Brad Heiselike. I don't know if that helps at all. Um, you can also follow back on previous episodes of this show by going to anchor.fm slash YSSMAN. And you can uh, see these episodes on places like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so much more. Uh, if you're on there, I'd really appreciate it if you would subscribe. Uh, if you'd give us a rating, that would be wonderful. That helps other people see the show. Um, so continue helping out. I really appreciate it. In uh, other news, uh, you may have noticed that uh, we did a different formatted episode this week. Uh, doing the scrap story about my relationship with General Motors and how I feel like it's uh, coming to a close for the most part. Um, if you like that, uh, I'm definitely planning on trying to do more of those shorter form, maybe more thought piece things. Yes, I get that that's kind of a car culture segment, but uh, once in a while, you know, we can transform it to do different kinds of things. Who knows? We'll see what happens. Uh, what else is going on? We also do the... Uh, the uh, Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide. We haven't done one of those in a while. Uh, we haven't exactly had cars launch that have radically turned over a segment of vehicles, um, but there are definitely some segments that are going to be revisited very soon, uh, most specifically the compact car segment, uh, the small and midsize and perhaps full-size crossover segments. Uh, so we've got plenty of time in 2019, so stay tuned for the next episode of that. Uh, yeah. In other news, guys, uh, the weather is quite terrible, especially here in the Great Lakes area. Um, I'm sure it is throughout the Midwest, Northeast, and Pacific Northwest. Winter's here. So make sure if you guys are out there driving, give plenty of space to other vehicles around you. Make sure you give yourself enough time to arrive to your destination safely. But also keep in mind that while it is dangerously unsafe to drive too fast, it is equally just as bad to drive too slow. If you're not confident with how your vehicle is reacting on major highways and byways, perhaps take more surface level streets and save other headaches for those of us who uh, have cars that can handle the snow out on the highway. That makes me sound like a huge asshole, but whatever. I, I... Quick story. I'm driving to work yesterday. Dude sitting in the left lane on the highway. Highway was pretty much clear. It was snowing. I will give that person that. It was slightly above freezing. I'll give that person that. They were doing 35 miles an hour on the freeway. 
Not only is that illegal in the state of Michigan, it is highly dangerous and it was causing a huge traffic problem where they were. They needed to stay off the roads if they thought it was that bad. Uh, <clears throat> don't be that person. Don't cause more problems than you should by trying to quote unquote be safe. So yeah, rant over. Anyway, guys, I hope you have a great weekend and we will see you on the next episode of the Salvage Title Podcast very soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.